Last year it was Austin Eckler, in 2018 it was Nick Chubb. We discussed the mid and late round running backs that can carry fantasy teams this season on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15, Thursday, August 13th. Thanks for joining us this morning or this afternoon, whenever you might be listening. Whatever you're doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's up, my man? Not much. Excited that we're getting closer to draft weekends, though, in fantasy football. Because right now it doesn't feel real, right? We don't have preseason games every Thursday night to look forward to and throughout the weekends, but we're getting there. We're getting closer to the season. Time is actually flying. It just doesn't feel like a normal lead-up to fantasy football draft season. Yeah, it doesn't feel like one because it isn't one. But next week, once we start to have practices, I've got a feeling that interest and everything and all of our excitement is going to pick up in a big way. And speaking of that, we do have some relevant uh, COVID-19 updates for you here on this Thursday episode of Fantasy Football in 15. First, the league and the Players Association agreed to daily testing through September 5th. So that is the final, the second to last Saturday before our first Sunday, the final Saturday before the first game of the season, before that first Thursday night or on September 10th, scheduled between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. That game still scheduled to go off as planned. The entire week one scheduled to go off as planned. NFL released some new information. The positivity rate through the first two weeks of testing. This covers all tests, intake testing, everything they've been doing the last two weeks. And this is just a a percentage of tests. A .46 positivity rate across all people being tested. That's coaches, trainers, staff, everyone. .81% for players, so things seem to be uh, as good as they can possibly be for the NFL right now as we are just about one month away from the start of the season. On Wednesday's episode, we kicked off our look at players across all four of our primary fantasy positions uh, being drafted in the mid or late rounds who could ultimately carry fantasy teams to championships. Again, just to reiterate from Wednesday's episode, this is not players who are going to be picking up off waiver wires. These are not late round, you know, blind dart throws. These are guys who are getting drafted. These are guys who you're excited about. DVR and I are going to say, though, that some of these guys can be breakout players who can carry fantasy teams. Today, we're going to look at the running back position to give you a few recent examples. Last year, Austin Eckler was roundly getting drafted in the eighth round, somewhere right in there, and ended up being uh, a top five running back. The year before that, it was Nick Chubb in his rookie year, who was getting drafted in about the 12th or 13th round, still roundly drafted, and we know the season he had, uh, despite uh, having to share time there in Cleveland. This year, we look for a couple of new guys, and the way we're going to do it is give you Two guys apiece. We're going to look at guys who are being drafted as you know late RB2s or RB3s, and then guys who are being drafted beyond that RB3 range. So guys in the 24-ish to you know 36, 37-ish range, and then guys who are beyond that. Derek, our guys in that RB2, RB3 range are in the same division. Give us your guy and why. So I like DeAndre Swift in this range because I just can't get past the idea that if the Lions believed Carrion Johnson was going to be an every down back, they wouldn't have just invested the 35th overall pick in another running back. And I think Swift can become a three down back over the course of the season. Maybe initially he's not out there in a lot of pass protection situations. But as we've talked about on this show, 
Georgia has become running back you in recent years with Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. I know Sonny Michelle's been slowed down by knee injuries and various ailments, but they've been producing high-quality NFL backs year over year in that program, and I think Swift is just the next man up. And I think the situation in Detroit is one where he's going to be part of a really productive Lions offense. I think if you look at the splits from Matthew Stafford last year, we're talking about a quarterback who was on pace to throw for nearly 5,000 yards. They've got an elite receiver in Kenny Galladay. They've got a good supporting cast with Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson, who we talked about on yesterday's show as a breakout tight end I like. It's weird to be so aggressive with the Lions because they have failed me at so many turns in my life, both as a (laughs) fan, as a child, and as a fantasy player over the years. But there's actually quite a bit to like here. I think this is a team that's going to have to score a lot of points week in and week out. So there's going to be plenty of touches to go around. Even if Kerryon Johnson doesn't disappear, he can be the second fiddle to DeAndre Swift and Swift can still get 15-plus touches per game with ease. I think that's where he begins, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the the shape of the production really change and sort of increase as we move along throughout the year. So I think at the price, DeAndre Swift can do enough, maybe getting two-thirds of the touches initially to keep you afloat, and then once you get to the back half of the season, and specifically the fantasy playoffs, I think he's one of those guys that's really going to be finding his stride uh, maybe similar to what we saw from Miles Sanders a year mm-hmm. ago. I think that's a comparison you've made at some point this draft season. And that's it, a prototypical sort of maneuver for a rookie to follow, right? It just takes a little time to prove to the coaching staff that you can do everything you have to do to be on the field in every situation. I think Swift has the core skills to get there. It's just going to take a little bit of time to build up that trust. So he could be a league-winning sort of player, a guy you draft as a late RB2 who ends up being your one, and maybe a guy who we're talking about as a first-round fantasy pick in 2021. Definitely my favorite rookie running back at the price. I wouldn't take him over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but when you compare their ADPs, I would much rather be on DeAndre Swift rather than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I agree with you. Even though Kerryon Johnson's probably not going away at any point this season, I do think that DeAndre Swift is going to be the guy for Detroit this year. So I like him a lot, and I also like a guy who he plays in the same division as, and that is second-year Bears running back. David Montgomery. Look, things were not pretty for David Montgomery, and we had people uh, projecting him for huge things as a rookie. And as ugly as things were for him individually, as inefficient as he was, as ugly as things were for the Bears offense, a team that went from 12-4 and to 8-8, eight and eight, and even that last win was kind of a gift because the Vikings didn't suit up really in Week 16 with their playoff seed locked in. You still got an RB25 season in half PPR leagues out of David Montgomery. Got 242 carries in this Bears offense. Turned that into 889 yards on the ground, six touchdowns. Also contributed 25 catches, 35 targets, 185 yards receiving, and one more score. And the way I look at it, DVR, is that that's a floor for him. Tariq Cohen is not a threat to take away carries in any significant way. He's going to have his role in the offense, but his role is not suddenly going to be 150 carries and 100 targets. That's just not going to be what he does. And while Tariq Cohen's presence does cap David Montgomery's uh, target load, we still saw 35 targets for a rookie who came in with uh, receiving skills being a question. So I think you get another, at worst, at worst, 240 carry, 30 target year out of David Montgomery. And there is plenty of room 
for it to get better, especially if Nick Foles uh, brings a level of competence to the quarterback position that the Bears didn't have last year. And I don't think there's any guarantee that Nick Foles is the for sure long-term starter, mean, long-term meaning you know more than half of this season. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I think Mitch Trubisky could still be the guy. But again, everything went wrong for the Bears last year offensively. Everything went wrong at the quarterback position. And you still got an RB25 price out of David Montgomery. You're not going to have to pay more than that in drafts this season. So I think that this is someone who at worst is going to pay off what his ADP is and at best could easily play his way into the top 15 at the position. The volume is going to be there. The offense can't be any worse. I think it should be better. And it just feels as though he is going to dominate his team's carries in a way that we see the elite backs do. Again, the the target load is definitely capped because of Tariq Cohen, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 250, 270, 290 carries. He is the guy as a runner for the Bears, and once you get past the elite group of runners, you're just not going to see that very often. Yeah, I like the setup for him a lot. It's a very skinny tree, very predictable usage for the running backs and the receivers in that Chicago offense. I think people are just a little disappointed because their expectations in year one for David Montgomery were simply too high. So I do like him as a good sort of buy at a relative discount candidate where he's going. Yeah, find myself circling back to him in quite a few drafts already this season. And with draft season in earnest coming up, I think he is going to be someone who is on my mind quite a bit. We're going to move on to the RB3s and beyond or beyond the RB3 range. But first, a word from our partners at Indochino. All right, DVR, let's move on to that group of running backs that are beyond the RB3 range. This is where you found Nick Chubb a couple of years ago. This is where we always find, you know, sometimes a rookie, sometimes a guy who is uh, intriguing because of his receiving skills. Sometimes it's guys who are clear handcuffs and the starter gets injured. Uh, It doesn't need to be any one archetype, but we know these are guys who get drafted outside the top 36, top 40 at the position, and then end up, for whatever reason it might be, having huge years. Who do you look to in this group of players? I'm going to stick with the rookie theme from a little bit earlier with DeAndre Swift and say Anthony McFarland is the late running back that I really like to get. I think it's really unfortunate that you look at James Conner and you see the various injuries and ailments that have kept him off the field going back to his time at Pitt. It's just so difficult to look at Conner and say, I'm confident he's going to stay healthy for a full season. And concerns about Connor, I think, increase even more given that we're playing football in a pandemic in 2020. I think with McFarland, the Steelers found a big play back who is much better than both Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. I think Samuels looks like more of a pass-catching specialist, according to our Ed Bouchette. He's not even a lock to make the roster when week one rolls around, so maybe he's an odd man out when it comes to uh, roster cuts later this month. You look at Benny Snell as a guy that was okay in limited chances last season. That was a pretty messed up Steelers team, of course, without Ben Roethlisberger. But under four yards per carry, I think the Steelers bring a good enough offensive line to the table where that's not necessarily a sign that Snell is going to be the clear-cut backup at this point. And I think with McFarland, this is a guy that was hobbled at the University of Maryland last season with a high ankle sprain. Uh, had some huge games as a freshman, including one against Ohio State, and he was really the focal point of that Maryland offense at the time, too. So really ticks a lot of boxes. We know Mike Tomlin likes to lean really heavily on one back. If something were to happen to Connor, if McFarlane can prove that he's the big play threat that I think he is, 
I could see him leapfrogging the veterans in that backfield to become Connor's replacement. The price is next to nothing, and you're investing in a Pittsburgh offense that really should bounce back in a big way with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger back under center. Yeah, agree with you on the Roethlisberger point for Pittsburgh. And again, Mike Tomlin, as you said, loves to trust one back. I mean, you can go back over his entire tenure, which has been quite long. Go all the way back to the Willie Parker days. This has been a guy who loves to lean on one back. We've seen it over multiple backs, multiple skill sets, multiple overall talent levels. If he has one guy who he trusts, he will lean on that one guy. That's why I love James Conner this year, but also if he ends up getting hurt, if something ends up happening to James Conner, then definitely Anthony McFarland looks like the guy in Pittsburgh's backfield to own. One of those true handcuffs who I would actually think about on draft day. I'm going to go a little bit higher than you here. I'm going to go to everyone's favorite guy in this range a year ago, or maybe in that first range of backs we talked about a year ago. It's Daryl Henderson, who is now totally overlooked here in this 2020 season because of Cam Akers. But as good as Cam Akers uh, could be and was in his college days, I don't think it's any sure thing that he just runs away with this job. First of all, I don't know if anyone runs away with this job. I think that it's going to be some sort of split, at least between these two guys all season. And while I understand why Cam Akers is the favored guy, and I agree, I think he should be the favored guy. I think he should have the higher ADP going into this season. It's no guarantee that he ends up being that guy right away or that he can hold off Daryl Henderson if he is that guy from the start. Let's not forget, Daryl Henderson was a popular pick last year for a reason, and it went beyond the fact that Todd Gurley had the injury history that he had going into last year. In Daryl Henderson's last year at Memphis, 1,909 rushing yards and 22 touchdowns on 214 carries. Also caught 19 balls for 295 yards and three scores. Over his career at Memphis, caught 63 balls for almost 800 yards and eight touchdowns. And those are meaningful Uh, receiving numbers for a back in college. Those single year-by-year numbers don't jump out at you when you're thinking in an NFL context, but that's not the way most colleges use their running backs. Those are some pretty uh, meaningful, eye-popping numbers for a back as a receiver in his college days. I think Henderson can easily be the, the guy who is the main runner in LA this season. And if that ends up being the case, and if it's flipped, if he's the 65 to Cam Akers 35, he is going to give you a huge huge payoff this year. Again, there was a reason why we were all so excited about him. And last year, just things never went for him, right? Todd Gurley stayed healthier than expected, was able to hold down that role and be productive for most of the year for the Rams. Henderson had an ankle injury of his own. There was just never a time where he was able to get in any sort of rhythm because of Gurley's health and his lack of health, frankly. And this year, uh, it seems as though he's going to have a more real shot than he ever did. No matter what we felt, no matter what we thought last year, as long as Todd Gurley was healthy, he was clearly going to be the guy for the Rams. That is not the case with Cam Akers. So I think he has actually a more realistic chance that it's Henderson to be the guy for the Rams this season. And that's why he is one of the guys who I am most interested in once we get beyond the RB3 range here. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense as a zero RB sort of target too if you're not really investing heavily in the position, kind of fading everybody. Henderson could win the job or at least have the larger share of the backfield at the price. It's an offense you'd like to be invested in, really just ticks all the boxes. And just think back to how excited we were last year about this guy. He really didn't get that many chances to show what he could do. There you go. Four running backs who could end up being big-time players in fantasy, bigger than any of us is necessarily expecting, or at least bigger than their ADP would suggest. David Montgomery, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, Daryl Henderson, and Anthony McFarland. That's going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Football 
in 15. Please give us a rating, a review, and a subscription on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you might be listening. And if you are not yet an athletic subscriber, if you are one of those people listening on iTunes, Spotify, or elsewhere, get yourself 40% off your first year at The Athletic by visiting theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.